Dr. Philip Stiles, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School Window on the World podcast series today. I know you're an expert on the subject of redundancies. We're in a recession. Are there tips for employers? Is there a right and wrong way of going about things? I think in the current environment, people tend to expect that there might be redundancies in the air. I think employers, on the whole, tend to manage these things quite well. Um, In the companies we've seen, we've seen redundancies handled with some fairness and with good explanation. In terms of tips in which companies can follow, um, three things seem to stand out. One is that the employees are given an opportunity to give their voice. That is, they're allowed to speak and to allow to have allowed to to have their say in these very important issues that are affecting them. And the second issue is about explanation. Just what is the explanation that that is given to employees um, about why the redundancy is necessary? And the third thing really is about dignity. Are the employees handled uh, with dignity and respect when the the redundancy issue is um, discussed? One One of the things which is not to be recommended and which we see sometimes in companies is when um, employers decide to make a cut across the board um, with, with, say, a 10% cut across all the organisation or a 20% cut across all the organisation, which never strikes employees as being very fair or very targeted or having a very good explanation. You seem to be saying let them in on the process a little bit, you know, open it up, guys, but on the other hand, a redundancy isn't a nice thing. If, if you're an employer, particularly if you know the people you're getting rid of, it might be difficult to let them into the process or let them know how you've gone about the selection. I think, I think we should separate two things here. One is about the outcome, which is never good, and redundancy is always probably the hardest um, outcome for an employee to take. But the second thing is about the process itself, and I think often when you look at um, successful downsizing or successful redundancy, while the outcome is never good, what, what people really want to know is what is the process by which the outcome was reached. And I think if the process is seen as fair, even though the outcome may be unfavorable, um, people by and large are prepared to accept that. I think particularly in the case of the people who remain in the organization, what they want to see is that the process was handled fairly and that employees who have been given um, notice have been dealt with with dignity and respect. And I think that makes for a good um, all-round situation. While it's never um, easy or um, emotionally um, neutral, I think if, if the process is seen as clear, transparent, and the employee has a chance to give their view, then it's by and large a good process. And so when should they give their view? How do you open up? I mean, people will, for instance, say next week we are making a round of redundancies and people won't know if they're going to be selected or not and then the announcement uh, comes. Is that good? I think there's an old saying, which is um, people can take good news and people can take bad news, but what people can't take is no news. And I think the rumour factor is very, very damaging um, for the organisation generally. So I think if if management have a view about what kind of cuts are necessary and what kind of size of cuts are necessary, they need to get that message out very quickly and very clearly. I think people are, are very anxious to know what their future is, particularly in times like this. And the, the better the communication, obviously, um, the happier people will be, even if that outcome is unfavorable. I think when companies are in such turbulent times, it's very hard for them to really know what the outcomes will be in terms of manpower and headcount and so on. And so there will always be uncertainty. 
But, one, but the thing is how you resolve that uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. seem to be saying, do tell people what you're going to do. Do let them into the process. But then what do you do? Do you just say, on the day you announce the redundancies, leave, take the things off your desk? That's what's been happening. I think it often is about what kind of industry you're in. Certainly when we've seen this kind of work in investment banking, we've seen people leaving office buildings within half an hour with all their belongings, um, primarily for fears of, of, of staff um, uh, either um, taking some clients with them or, or doing something um, perhaps unfavorable in the workplace um, or even just to, to make sure that those people who have stayed are not um, uh, in a way um, contaminated by, by any bad feeling. Um, in other industries, I think um, it's very important that there is, there's a long or as long as possible um, uh, advance warning about, about these issues and that people are, give, are given time to cope with the situation and even to find new work. That's really the ideal situation if possible. So what about those companies that may be enlightened and bring in workplace psychologists mm-hmm. and, and they talk you through what you're going to do with your future and everything? Is that a good idea? I think that's an excellent idea. And, and many of the best firms we've seen have, um, have psychologists or counsellors on hand to, to help people through this process. Because, you know, you have to remember that in, in downsizing in, in, in recent times, often it's been peripheral individuals who have left the organization. But now, with the, the, with the current climate, we're seeing core workers um, leaving the organization, workers who have expected to stay at these companies for many years. And so this is a very traumatic time for many people. And, um, and I think the firms which, which have a very kind of um, counseling aspect or, um, or deal with people's kind of raw emotions here will win out, I think, not only in terms of how people perceive them in the market, but also the people who stay within the firm. Well, we've dealt quite well, I think, w- with the subject of the employee being made redundant. Mm. But what about managers who have mm. to make others redundant? Mm. You know, y- your heart must go out to them be- because you know what it's like or can imagine what it's like mm. not to be able to pay the mortgage. I think this is probably the most difficult issue for management. Um, this face-to-face coming to terms with people's futures and deciding people's futures in a negative fashion. And I think many managers do not relish this at all. Um, I mean, when you see research on just feedback giving generally, managers very much um, dislike giving bad feedback. So to give feedback about losing one's, losing one's job is very, very difficult for them to handle. And indeed, many of them are traumatized. Um, a number of our companies, um, in one, one of our companies is losing 70,000 people. Now, you know, for managers to, to go and speak to people and explain and to tell people that actually um, they'll have to find alternative work is traumatic. I think the only thing that can help them, of course, is training in that aspect and also that they're not personally responsible. And also what really helps managers in this situation is whether the organization can give individuals what we call a soft landing, whether they can actually give counseling, give people time to look for, ex- for other work, and maybe even to, to put together a package whereby people will be cushioned from the most, um, you know, the kind of bleak economic conditions that they find themselves in. Do you think maybe there's a problem with white-collar workers as opposed to, to blue-collar mm-hmm. workers mm-hmm. actually thinking, well, you know, we've never had to cope with redundancy mm-hmm. before. You know, bankers, uh, it, it, people who are in insurance, these were safe careers. Maybe the psychology of redundancy in those white-collar professions is actually harder than perhaps people who are used to being weekly or monthly workers. I, I think that's really true. I think 
when you look at, say, blue-collar workers, often their relationship with companies is rather transactional. And they don't expect to have often a long-term career or even a career at all in some cases. And so often when, when redundancy happens to that kind of, um, that kind of group of people, um, it is traumatic, but in a sense it's not a blow to their self in many ways. I think with white-collar managers and with, with executives, where often they've invested their, their life or their, and certainly their, a lot of their career in, um, in the organization, often staying with the organization for many years, um, they, they find that actually to be made redundant is an, is an attack on their self and their self-esteem is lowered and, um, and they think that actually all their work up till then, all their, their sacrifice for their career in that company is for nothing and it is, it is a very damaging experience. Now, Dr. Philip Stiles, I know that you're an expert in the dynamics of board behaviour and human resource management processes. Do you think there's a gender issue here in who's selected for redundancy? I mean, you know, do you think that perhaps someone might think, well, we'll make the woman redundant because she doesn't have to pay all the bills the man does? There may be some empathy working across managers in that way. I think... I think Research doesn't show that, I think. Um, certainly not, not recent research uh, doesn't show that. I think there may be, um, you know, one thought about that might be that one recent study from Harvard looking at um, uh, women in the boardroom um, found that women are discriminated against, not, not in terms of overt discrimination, but just in, in the, the networks that they're allowed access to. Um, so often when um, when we find glass ceiling issues or women who who don't um, fulfil their potential in organisations, it's not anything that, that, that is kind of clear on the surface, but just are they allowed into the various knowledge uh, networks and um, social networks that other that men have? In terms of redundancy, this 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 could work against women because often men are prepared to keep their social network if possible. Um, which may exclude women, and so women may be um, unfairly treated in that sense. But I, but I hasten to say there's no real research to, to show that uh, clearly. But there is research to say that in times of redundancy, perhaps in times of recession, your networks are good, whether you're a man or, or a woman, it's your networks that can put you back on track. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think that's where, that's where um, uh, male, you know, male social networks and um, business networks are very, very powerful because you see... Um, particularly now, say in, in in banking and insurance, um, individuals who are who who can move to other other kinds of firms or other organisations. I think what, one one thing to say, maybe more generally, would be um, why the economic conditions are so hard now for 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 these kinds of experiences. Is that often when one is made redundant, one can move to other firms in that industry, but that's no longer possible in certain industries like banking, where whole swathes of of um, of employees are being made redundant and there's no there's no other organizations within the industry which can pick that up and so if you are a banker or an insurance manager that you know the 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 the, the prospects for you are, are are quite bleak i think because just through the lack of transferability of your skills across the industry but let's end up on a more optimistic mm-hmm. note because as a someone who's in resource management if one has ever had redundancy in one's life, actually, and you've then taken on a new uh, career or profession, there's no going back, actually. Mm. You, you tend to prefer your new life, don't you? You know, th- this can be a, a process that shakes you down, sorts you out, but then leads to new doors opening. Mm. Mm. I, I think that's really true. I think there's, um, there's an old saying, which is, which is about, you know, what has made you su- successful to now, 
you know, today it will not make you successful in the future. And I think often, even though redundancy is traumatic and no one would wish it on anyone else, it does present the individual with a stark reflection um, opportunity, which often makes people um, think just, you know, what has been my career path till now and why have I chosen to, to, to spend my life in this fashion? And being made redundant does tend to um, uh, provide this space where you can retreat and maybe start to explore other opportunities which may be much more fulfilling. I think the idea of having one career is a very narrow one and one which is of quite recent origin. And when you look at very successful people, they've often had two or maybe three careers in their lives, um, which makes for a very kind of rounded person, I think. And... um, And I think the tragedy often of redundancy is that people see their career in one dimension. And when that career is not fulfilled, either through lack of promotion opportunities or through redundancy, their self falls to pieces, I think. Whereas, you know, their life is richer than that. Okay. And and, uh, in terms of the employer and the employee, the organisational psychologists Mm. are a good thing. So open up the process, let people in. and, And I suppose some psychological sharing of all. I, I think sharing is very important. I think um, I think often redundancy is a very um, solitary occasion. One feels one has failed or the company has failed you. I think it's very hard for people to talk to their families because um, the families are also going through the same situation and also the families often don't have access to just the particular circumstances that the individual is going through. And so networks, support networks... Um, counsellors, coaches, um, valued colleagues, I think are all essential. I think it's very hard for for people to deal with this on their own. Um, You have to be very strong mentally to do that. Um, I know one of the issues in in leadership, for example, is is mental toughness. But when one goes through very, very traumatic issues or through big transitions like redundancy, um, one does need support. And I think the big failing often of organisations is just to cut people loose um, without any kind of counselling or any kind of coaching. Dr Philip Stiles, thank you very much indeed for talking today to Judge Business School Window on the World podcast series. Thank you very much.